Mr. Andy Coffin in a wrestling match? Yeah, 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 yeah. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we take a look at every last song that has been deemed hot enough to be in Triple J's Hottest 100. My name is David James Young and I'm one of the several voices you'll be hearing over the next hour or so. Joining me once again are my co-hosts, Mr. Adam Buncher. We have the voices in your head. Mr. Yeah. Andrew McDonald. That was too creepy. Uh, can I say something else? Too oh, late. you can if you want. Blown it. Too late. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Nathan Harrison. Hello. Uh, oh, welcome Nathan back. Nathan wins. Oh, yeah, just, just, yeah. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> Next time. Yeah, it, this is, this, kiss. this man is it's the simple. overlord of the kiss principle. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we are, we are just at the start of the 1993 Hottest 100. We have five more songs to talk about today. Let's get right into it. At number 95, another Australian entry. And the first of seven appearances that they will make in the Hottest 100 over the years. This is Tex Perkins and Co. The Cruel Sea. With the song Delivery Man from their 1993 album, The Honeymoon Is Over. Uh, Tex Perkins has often referred to 1993 as the Cruel Sea's year. It was definitely their year. They supported the Rolling Stones. They had a number one hits, you know, they were all over the charts, they were touring consistently, it was a massive, massive time for them, and uh, this band has always been a big part of my life, they are the first band that I ever saw live back in March 2002, but this, yeah, I've always loved this song from the second I heard it, it is a definitive cruelty track, it features a lot of the tropes and a lot of the various characteristics that come through in their songs, the slide guitar of James Cruikshank, the rhythms of James Elliott, and the grunts and the Tom Waits kind of snarl and <laughs> the kind of things that would come with the one and only Tex Perkins, who is, to this day, one of the sexiest men in rock music. The man is unfucking stoppable This is one of my favourite songs in this entire countdown. I've always loved this band, I've always loved this song, I think that this, this band is criminally underrated. Most people, when they think of Tex Perkins, they immediately go to the Beast of Bourbon, and that's completely fair. But for me, it's all about the Cruel Sea. It's all about the album, The Honeymoon Is Over, and it is all about being the delivery man and doing what you can. So, uh, let's take it to Andrew. Do you have any history with Tex Perkins in general? I am first knew of Tex with um, his band, The Dark Horses. Ah, uh, yes. My mum is huge with Tex and The Dark Horses, and then so I... Didn't mind that album kind of thing. That that was the first time I saw Tex Perkins live was with that in that context. Uh-huh. Um, and then I I guess looked into him just as a person that I knew of um, more familiar with Beast of Bourbon, who um, I've seen live and who are, are incredible live acts. Yeah, I really love their sound. I think it's probably more closer to what I'm more interested in the Cruel Sea. Cruel Sea are very good from what I've heard. I'm not that familiar with this song. I think it's fantastic. The production is stellar. Um, mm, yeah. Tony Cullen, Mick Harvey did the production on this yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Unstoppable work there. Like, it has that kind of stripped-back, bare-bones sound, which I guess that it's a, an image they very cultivated, and it works incredibly well with this song. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it means business. It kicks ass. The, the, the Tex Perkins persona in The Cruel Sea, and I guess Beast as well, comes through so well in this song. It's just, sure. They're there. They just play damning rock and roll, and mm. this song just nails it so perfectly. You yeah, see for it. sure. It's, it's a great song. It's not something that I will often like return to just because I'm not a huge Cruel Sea fan but this song yeah I, I haven't got a complaint about it 
Were you familiar with uh, The Cruel Sea before uh, we uh, were assigned these songs for this countdown, Adam? No, I, uh, I've heard a few songs yeah. um, here and there. I think pretty much all of them from The Honeymoon is Over. Yeah, sure. Um, and pretty much coming out of this year. And I think I've you know, heard, the, heard the big ones. But mm. it was the first time I'd heard this particular track. The first thing... The, actually, no, the very first thing that struck me about this song is, man, this sounds like a theme to The Sopranos. This is ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my in. Well, actually, <laughs> a bit of, bit of trivia. They did actually do a theme song. They're, they have a song called Reckless Eyeballin', which is from their first album, Down Below. And that was the theme song to the TV show Blue Healers. Was that their instrument? That's an instrumental by the Cross Sea. Because Tex wasn't uh, in there from the get-go. Yeah. Was it? Uh, he, no, he was in the band. It's just an instrumental song oh, okay, on the album. Right. Yeah. Huh. But they did start as an instrumental band. That's right. Yeah, that's in. right. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, just and and just to echo what Andrew said, the production is just like everything is solid and tangible. Yeah, and you can just feel like you can actually reach out and touch and grab and hold any sound that's in the song. It has weight to it, especially the one I really love is, is there's some kind of picking that's going on. I don't know whether it's bass, I don't know whether it's guitar or what, but mm. it creates such a really nice, solid, clunky, rhythmic element in the song, and it's just like it's joyful to have inside your ears. Just love it. Yeah. It's like the production doesn't people... date either. I don't no, think it's yeah. very dated. That's the beauty yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, sure. No, it's bad. Uh, do you have a, a anything to 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 add in, Nathan? Did... Um No, I mean like I, I've never been massive into the Cruel Sea. It's okay. never been really on my radar all that much. Like I've listened to bits and pieces here or then, but I, I had a proper well, text in to text me. in general, have you had a relationship? Not really. Yeah. Just yeah. not something that's ever like jumped out and connected with me or whatever. But okay. you know, I've I've listened to a bit of a bit of all of his things, mm-hmm. uh, but I had a proper listen of The Honeymoon Is Over uh, last month, Yeah, um, and it was incredible. It's a great... Uh, it's just an amazing album. Yeah. But yeah, I think the song is great. I think that, like, it's really interesting to consider them up against the bad seeds, both just sort of taking a lot of Americana and, and yeah. funneling it into quite a dark Australian rock sound. Yeah, like, sure. Obviously, no, they're not the same thing. They're not doing the same things, but I think there's an attitude or atmosphere that kind of is coming from a similar place. I've always, I guess, partly considered if they're in a Venn diagram of, uh, like, Tex, Nick, and the drones, there, there will be significant crossover. Yeah, there. definitely. Yeah, I can see a lot of, a lot of like, the Venn diagrams. It's yeah, all just blending into some beautiful yeah, colours. there's that Southern Gothic kind of droll. This song, there's a, there's a lot of that bad set sound, I guess. Definitely. Mm, right. It kicks a lot of ass. So let's take a listen to it right now. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about The Cruel Sea a little later on in this countdown. But for now, here they are at number 95 with Delivery Man.
Cruel Say at number 95, Delivery Man, do it again. And now, as Monty Python would say, something completely different. I'm glad that you did that voice because it topped how creepy I was at the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You just took it up a notch. I'm no longer the creepiest person. I got it by the pound. Still not. (laughs) One of my favourite things about all the Hottest 100s is just that whiplash, like because it's not a curated list in any way. Yeah, exactly. It's just like... If someone made that, you'd be like... Why did you... Yeah, it's just like, what were you what thinking? This, one? this is terrible. This yeah, is yeah, what are you this? doing? Yeah. But of course, we are referring to sunny Jamaica, where we will find the gentleman known as Inner Circle. At number 94, with the song Sweat, open brackets, a la 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 song, close brackets. <laughs> Beautiful this. song. Now, uh, my sister and I have a playlist on Spotify that we call Power FM songs. Now, the reason we call them Power FM songs, this has nothing to do with you, Adam, it's nothing personal. Uh-huh. These are songs that we only knew of because they got played on Power FM, which was our local commercial radio station. Which some just, people here worked on. Just, yeah, just at random, you know, just very obscure 90s hits that we never knew the words or like we knew the words but we didn't know the artists or we didn't know the song titles or anything like that we just knew the songs because of they got they were on the playlist and they got played heaps so the internet was just starting to come around so there weren't like dedicated lyric sites so we couldn't just go oh what's this song you know we couldn't just do that so who is Tal Buckman yeah exactly (laughs) so Tal Buckman was one of them Um, (laughs) Counting Blue Cars by Dishwalla tell me all your thoughts is that actually the name of that song yeah Yeah. Counting Blue Cars that is the first time I've heard that well there you go that is is Closer to Free by Sister Hazel Um, All For You Hard to Say What It Is I've Seen You um, Let Her Cry by Hootie and the Blowfish and when are you doing a concert of all these songs oh man I want I want that but one of those songs is Sweat by Inner Circle we used to hear this all the time growing up Um, uh, this is their biggest hit apart from their song Bad Boys Bad Boys Things are Bad Boys Things are both Bad Boys and And Cops cops. yeah Yeah. so these guys have were actually around for several years like in the late 70s I believe Uh, 68 I think yeah so they were around they were around for ages and then uh, their original lead singer died in the 80s and then the guy who sings on Sweat took over, and uh, they completely changed up their sound to a more poppy, like, island pop sort of thing. And that's where they hit the big time. This was at a point where Jamaican culture was becoming very cartoonish, or just in the terms of Western looks at it. It's just like, oh, they're all happy, they all live on the island, and, you know, it's always sunny, and it's always... They all talk like this, yeah. you know, it's just... Is this prior to Cool Runnings or after? Cool Runnings was very, very close. Right. Yeah, so just a very trivial uh, look at um, that whole kind of culture, I guess. And, you know, this song is insanely cheesy. And it's just, it's very, very light. It it reminds me of, like, UB40. You know, that very kind of... That's not real reggae. Real reggae is just fucked up songs about drugs that go for, like, 25 minutes, you know. This is like the vanilla ice of reggae. Yeah, exactly. This is, you know, it's the Diet Coke, you know. It does have the lyrics, like, I want to make you sweat, and when you cry out, I will push it harder. Oh, my God. It's pretty intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not really okay. 
so let's kick this one over to Adam, considering these are this is what I would classify, me and my sister classify as a Power FM song. Tell me, are you in the inner circle when it comes to inner circle? I hate this. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? I just there is not one single sound that is made within this song that I think I enjoy. <laughs> not the vocals. Not the I'm, I'm sticking not the hook. I, this is probably about as hardcore as I'm gonna get with any song. So bear with me here. Like it's just no component of it is enjoyable. It's catchy or whatever, but like I find that now looking back on it, it is taken on a completely different and more grotesque form because I can't separate this song from the kind of image of a bunch of people out at a retro club getting messy on a dance floor, and this song comes on, and they're willing to dance to freaking anything. This as long is my as it's, jam! Yeah, as long yeah, as it's yeah, cheesy right. and catchy, and they're slimy, and guys are across the dance floor miming the lyrics to girls, and it's just like, all of you go oh. go home and drink water. I don't, go, I don't get that image at all. For so, this song? No. It's, I, I don't know, like, maybe I've just been to the, the Hotel of War on Retro Nights for a long time <laughs> and witnessed yeah, this exactly. firsthand. Because that kind of... Person, it's just so associated to this kind of song. It's so burnt into my head as people who just take whatever catchiness is thrust at them at the time and don't question it and say, I love this without having any concept of what love is. You don't know what love is. That sounds like a fan. Just do yeah, it. For, for me, this song is part of a very important uh, section of music called exercise music. Oh. Uh, like, this is just one of those pop songs that like sort of gets co opted. By all of these like Oz aerobics classes, and suddenly like it, that's just what it is, and you know like like M, M people, you know moving on up, and all, all those sort of songs. The only thing music like this reads to me as now is. Just, I, I, like assume, I assume you used to get up at six in the morning to watch aerobics. Well, stuff. Stuff no, no, but like, TV. I, I got up at, TV, I got up at ten to six to make toast so that I would be watching it, <laughs> watching cheese TV, and it was on. It's exercise music or like I don't know squat hop or whatever. <laughs> squat hop, I like it. Like, <laughs> so does this song make you sweat, Andrew? I think it's pretty worthless. It's kind of like, <laughs> like it's the, the kind of thing that I would. Do. I'm so like it's the kind of song that. It, it, it's not much of a stretch to imagine a world where it was just forgotten. It happens to have been co-opted by, I guess, by, by the nostalgic <laughs> community. In Adam's dream ideal world, this song is forgotten. Everything but else is exactly the same, <laughs> except this song never existed. It's, and for some unknown reason, you're incredibly unhappy. <laughs> and, then, and then I appear, and I'm like, I'm going to take you to a different world that could have been. Okay, and I find this song, and I become so filled with rage, and I realise that rage is what was missing from my life all along. Oh my god. I find it to be a fairly crappy, you know, suspicious song that is so, so, so far removed from, I guess, reggae's political and Rastafarian roots mm. that it's humorous to even call it the same this is, this is essentially a predecessor to the Baha Man. Exactly, I was yeah. thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> Baha Man, Shaggy's pop songs. Oh, oh, that kind of vibe. Shudder. Yeah, precisely. It's, it's actually, we will be talking about Shaggy. I can't, yeah. like, oh, I can't it's wait. It's bizarre that this is in the countdown. It's, like, yeah, it's a great... Who yeah, is, it's like... Yeah, how did this end up on alternative radio? It's, it's, it's another one of those songs, like that is a good, a good thing to bring out when people say that Triple J's gotten like it's too poppy now. There's no alternative music in there. In a circle. <laughs> Let me tell you about this. Yeah. Let me Let's make you back sweat. Ninety three. Yeah. 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 So creepy. Uh, yeah, you don't think about that until you actually listen to lyrics to say, "Hang on, what the yeah. fuck did he just yeah, say?" It's yeah. pretty intense. Oh, <laughs> like it's just it's just a song about sex. There are a lot of them. Oh, there indeed are. But uh, I'm sure we'll be getting to them in the not too distant future. But for now. For your listening pleasure, oh. at number 94 Hooray! is Inner Circles with Sweat, 
Too many laws. In the 1993 Hottest 100 with Sweat, a la 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 la. Good times. Alright, we're moving in to number 93. This, this is the first of six appearances that this band will be making across the history of the Hottest 100. Full disclosure, this is my favourite band ever. This is a band that I have always loved, always will love, past, present and future. Whatever the future may hold for this band, who are sadly no longer with us, we are talking about R.E.M. This... Yeah. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Wow. This song <laughs> is called Man on the Moon. Uh, written about Mr. Andy Kaufman, but also at the same time about nothing in particular. It's pretty much it's a Randy Newman thing. It's Michael Stipe just sitting there singing about what he sees. And adding in getting very... kickbacks from Hasbro, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting massive paychecks from Hasbro. Yeah, just just yeah, it. just saying yeah, yeah, yeah to a lot of different things in life. It's anthemic and yet it's impeccably vague. It's everything and nothing at the same time. This is one of my favorite songs ever. This will probably be one of my favorite songs that we talk about in this entire countdown. I've always loved this song from the second I heard it, even before I knew who Andy Kaufman was. It's just a song that's always stuck with me. It's a song that I know back to front, and it's a song that I'm still learning about to this very day, you know? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to be talking about R.E.M. a little bit more in a while, so I won't go fully overboard about how much I love this band, but they are my favourite band of all time. And if if any song was going to be their first entry into a Hottest 100, and I'm glad it was this one. Uh, Andrew, let's kick it off with you. Uh, Tell us a bit about your relationship with the song and the band. I've never, I guess, given R.E.M. a proper examination. I know the singles, I don't know um, Automatic for the People, the record that sure. this track is from. Yep. 
could this song be any better? It's a, it's just an impossibly perfect yeah. pop rock song. There's so much to love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do actually, when you, you said it's about not like a Randy Newman-esque kind of meandering lyrically kind of thing like that, I think there's a lot to it. I think mm. that yeah. certain things like uh, the idea of, I guess... Andy Kaufman and uh, Isaac Newton and Moses, like and playing board games in some weird kind of afterlife, is a beautifully Kaufman-esque notion of like this kind of absurdity v um, normality kind of thing. Yeah, and one thing I've, I've noticed upon repeated listens to the song, because it's a song that you can go back to so many times, um, the there's it's on the surface just a beautiful pop song, but the verse lengths are all different. They're all like six lines and four lines here and there kind of thing oh, wow, it's nice a get. straightforward pop song but with a very a, an alternate twist to give it a, a new bent kind of thing like that very Kaufman-esque again there's so much to this song that I think is just so wonderful and again like the whole notion of it's always conspiracies Elvis Presley still being alive yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Kaufman himself the moon landing they, like always, all these things about like other conspiracies but again in typical R.E.M. style there's this melancholy that cuts underneath it all but mm, it, yeah. it doesn't matter they did put a man on the moon and extrapolating to that, Elvis has died, and so has Kaufman. These are the realities of the situation. It's a melancholy that runs underneath the populace. It's what R.E.M. did perfectly. Very yeah. few bands can touch them when it comes to that kind of beautiful sadness that comes along with pop music, and they did sure. it perfectly with this song. I, I think one of the quotes that I found in relation to this song that I think was from a music critic at the time that sums it up wonderfully is he says that the lyrics make a game of human endeavour. Which wow. I think is just yeah. fantastic. I, I mean, really that, like that. And that plays in so well with the board game references and and also all these significant people that are mentioned within the course of the song. And I don't actually know, personally, any song that quite occupies the same emotional spectrum or makes me feel the same way as this song does and always did. I was drawn to this song when I first heard it, however early on that was, and at whatever age I was, because it was just such a weird emotional space to be yeah. in. It's kind like, of aloof, but morose. And yeah. Like, it's just floaty, yeah. and it's kind of like, there's there's just a lot of death, but a lot of hope, and a lot of, like, it's just letting go to me. Like, that's yeah. what the song is, it's just kind of like, you have this immense amount of anxiety and argument and conspiracy and heavy thought and really troubling truths, but it's just all kind of let go because it's just all kind of a bit meaningless. Like yeah, it's just, you, you it's can just see a, it being played in a film after a funeral or something. Is that kind yeah. of like yeah? But but it's, it's so grounded, like, like both emotionally, absolutely. but also in terms of what what it's talking about. There's there's nothing to really hold on to at any point. Mm. Yeah, and the story about how it was written is really great as well. It was the kind of arrived to stuff after a huge period of writer's block, essentially. Yeah. He wasn't able to get through, and he just... And the band had written the music, and they'd composed the song and whatever, and they just needed the lyrics, and they just needed the, the vocal melody or whatever, and he just ended up walking around thinking about Andy Kaufman, and it just kind of came from that. And that's even, like, a not really grounded way of composing mm, a song, definitely. really. It's just kind of walking around having having thoughts about a person go through your head and then it turns into this like yeah. it's wonderful the way it arrived what it is what it does that's that's pretty much it and any song that talks about board games is fine by me <laughs> <laughs> um, but also I think I mean like the line here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's I think it's one of the like most beautifully written lines like that's just like that's it like that's, yeah. such a, that's just, just a common human condition thing that idea it's, sure. it's so cynical and sad and and but just kind of like still still getting on with it, and, yeah. it's, and it's just like, well, this is where we're at. Have you ever been, been a big REM fan in general? Or? Yeah, a bit. Like you know, I 
probably spent most of my time with the band just like the best of and order through the singles yeah. yeah you know yeah. that sort of thing I think a lot of households have in time you know the best of REM from the 2003 or Automatic for the People as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Both, yeah either or both of them yeah. Like, yeah. there was a phase where I just listened to that a lot they're a great singles band in that regard they I definitely think, are. you know there are very few bands that can have like such a consistent greatest hits album and then, you know, the albums are just as strong. So conceptually yeah. solid. Yeah, you know. Because like, there's, there's a lot of bands that make really good albums, but if you put all the singles together, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's fine. But there's some bands that are definitely, like, massive singles bands, and then their albums are a bit passe, you know. Yeah. R.E.M. pack a phenomenal amount of depth into into pop singles. They're yeah. yeah. incredibly radio-friendly, and, and that's... That's really remarkable. It sure is. So let's take a listen to that now. This is the first time that we'll be hearing from them, but not the last. R.E.M. at number 93 with Man on the Moon. Number 93 with Man on the Moon from the album Automatic for the People. Let's go now to 92. We're going to be talking about a band who have only ever appeared twice in a Hottest 100. We're not going to be hearing from these guys again until 2001, which is pretty a pretty massive gap. But uh, then again, nothing has ever been conventional about this band. We are talking about the UK trio Depeche Mode who rose to prominence in the 80s with the synthtacular Just Can't Get Enough, one of the catchiest singles of that decade. Uh, moving into a much darker and much heavier direction as uh, the 90s progresses. Now, they, they had attempted similarly at least rockin' sort of songs like Personal Jesus, obviously, but this is potentially the heaviest... Uh, Depeche Mode song up until this point. This is essentially their gritty reboot, you know? Mm. It's taking the vocals to a much more abrasive level. The guitars are a lot more distorted. You know, the the videos are still very camp with Dave's long flowing hair and everything, but it's it's still, you know, it's a bit of a dark side for this band and it's a different direction. And I can see, you know, 
it connected with people, not in the way that just can't get enough did, obviously, but you know, it had its it had its own market and it turned them into a bit of a niche band, which, you know, they've worked with from that point, you know, for the last 20 years, they've def- they've still got a massive cult following, you know. They're not selling out stadiums or arenas or anything like that, but they still have a respectable following. And they're still touring and re- recording to this day. They released a very good album last year. It's not their best single, but I think there's uh, a lot to be said about the direction that they took here. And also that riff is catchy as fucking sin. Uh, Nathan, well, I guess we'll kick off with you. Uh, you just can't get enough of uh, Depeche Mode. That's not true. <laughs> I've never... I just wanted to make no, it fire. No, no, no. Good, good. I've never, like, I don't know, they've never done it for me. Like, Sure, okay. Not that I, I dislike their music, I've just never really spent time with them. Um, other than, like, a few singles like this, and obviously can't get enough personal Jesus. Not sure why. They just don't hold me. But I would happily say that the fault... Lies largely with me not spending <laughs> enough time with them. How about this song in particular? This song's great. It's huge, like, it's big, I love it. Like, the film clip, you know, even though it, it is still a bit, like, camp or whatever. Yeah, but it's a bit just, U2. Yeah. yeah, it's very U2, <laughs> like, black and white landscapes, yeah. But, like, it fits still, I think, like, it fits that scale of the sound, and it's, yeah, I really like it, it's great. Nice. Buncher? Yeah, I dig it. I think a vocal performance is really strong on this. Oh, like, that's what makes huge, it isn't it? Yeah, like, his vocals just, are off the chain. Yeah. It's totally impassioned in the chorus hook and whatever, you know, singing the title I Feel You is just massive. Yeah, yeah. And get a lot out of that. And, you know, that, that kind of very repetitious bass line and riff that just kind of keeps chugging along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, just all the noise that comes over the top of that really makes me wish I discovered this when I was going through my Nine Inch Nails phase. Yeah, <sighs> sure, yeah. You yeah. can definitely see it's a bit of a predecessor, you know. Where... Well, I kind of wonder about that because we had... We We've had a couple of Nine Inch Nails releases prior to this song coming through, so I wonder about, you know, the relationship. I, I, I definitely think that he would have been influenced by them. Yeah. Well, the, uh, absolutely. I think the earlier Depeche stuff pre uh, pretty Hay Machine, like Nine Inch Nails, yeah. like Black Mass is kind of thing like that. Like, I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan. I'm quite a big fan of them. And I think that they influenced Trent to a fair degree with the earlier Pretty Hay Machine huh. and then Downward Spiral. I think with then those two albums, particularly Downward Spiral, then influenced where Depeche would go, particularly with this album that this is from. Songs yeah, they kind of complement each other. Songs of Faith and Devotion, this album. Um, their most guitar, probably even to this day, their most guitar rock record, um, okay. more than, I guess, the previous stuff like that. There's like live drumming on this album. They've never really done that too often before. Yeah. Guitar is the most prominent sound rather than synthesizer. Like it's a far more guitar rock driven record. Some songs on it say Rush, for instance, another great single from this album. Could have been a Nine Inch Nails song. It's very similar mm-hmm. to that kind of sound. Like I think this song in particular, I'm a big fan. It's the start, it's the first song on this album, which is my most like familiar context with this song. It's mm-hmm. in the context of the record. Yep. It, it opens the album. I think it's a brilliant opener. It really sets the tone. Again, the, the album, the songs of faith and devotion, I guess the two themes of the uh, album, it respects myself. This song, obviously, more on the devotion side. Like, I feel you. It's a very passionate thing. Dave Garn's voice, I, I just always adore. Oh, yeah. Kind of croony, kind of baritone, like, aggressive. But at the same thing. time, yeah, yeah, like, it's smooth, but at the same time, it just goes off for that beat and track. Yeah. And just, yeah. Like, the grunt to it. Yeah. It's like, that oh, kind fuck. Of, yeah. There's, you can tell there's, like, whether um, true or indeed manufactured but there's a lot of self-loathing in the songs which I think is very appealing I guess it falls into that early 90s period of post-punk that took a lot of feel from the like the post-industrial bands the early industrial bands throbbing gristle and stuff like that mm. has that kind of sound I think it's a brilliant track 
I'm surprised seeing on Horse 100. I, don't, I never knew them as being a band that mm. would get like Triple J airplay. Yeah, sure. They, they were like kind of they were coming on middle age when this song came out. They yeah. weren't like young men cracking out a song like Trent was, for instance. Yeah, sure. It's far more guys who are well in their stead. But I think it's great that they found a different sound with this album, um, far more guitar oriented. As someone who's a bigger fan, just on the previous note to talk about talking about singles bands and album bands, where do you think? Uh, Depeche Mode falls in that category. They have a couple of really choice albums. I guess the two that are um, the most obvious are Songs of Faith and Devotion and the previous album is Violator, which is the one yeah. that has uh, Personal Jesus, uh, Enjoy the Silence. That's my favourite Depeche Mode song. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, and that album is very conceptual and it makes a lot of sense. But then mm. their, their best of that came out a couple of years ago, I think it's just called Best of Volume 1, yeah. strangely. That's a very good best of. It has a lot of their earlier stuff on there, um, the Cynthia Poppier stuff. Just can't get enough where they had a different uh, lead singer and a uh, different lead songwriter. Very obviously different. But yeah, they're um, at their best. They're very conceptually album-driven. But then their more recent stuff is probably more suited to a best of. I didn't mind uh, Delta Machine all um, playing The Angel, but neither of them were, I think, stellar records start to finish. Mm. Yeah, but I am, I, I'll, I'll always turn to them as a great band. I'll regularly pl- play them. They're a band that I'll turn to, this album in particular as well. I'll listen to it every couple of weeks. Yeah. So. Right, at number 92, here's Depeche Mode with I Feel... Yeah. This episode, we're talking about Australian folk rock legends, uh, Things of Stone and Wood, with the song Happy Birthday, Helen. Amazingly, a top ten single that wasn't even supposed to be released as a single. Their lead singer wrote it for his girlfriend, who later became his wife, and it was originally just supposed to be, fittingly enough, just a birthday present. But then they decided to record it, and put it out there, and people thought... Man, I like their connection. I like their little relationship that they got going on. It's a Jack and Diane sort of thing, you know? I dig it. So, Happy Birthday Helen became a hit for Things of Stone and Wood. Obviously, didn't really dent much on alternative radio, but these guys were pretty fucking popular. This was a top ten single. They were touring fairly consistently at the time. It's, it's a cheesy love song at its core. 
you know, there's not much more to it than that. But I like the authentically Australian accent. I like the the local references, like driving across the Yarra and stuff like that. It's catchy and it's endearing. You know, it's it's not something that I'm gonna like. I said I'm gonna return to anytime soon. But for what it was worth, you know, at the time, it was just a sweet, simple little song. Uh, also, a slight little bit of trivia: this band just got back together. This year marks the 25th anniversary of them forming, so next month they're going to be doing a national tour. It's their original lineup too, so more power to those guys. Good on them. Andrew, let's kick it to you. Uh, you're, an, you're an authentically Australian bloke who's in love. Uh, <laughs> I am. Uh, would, you, uh, would you ever consider busting out a love song for your partner's birthday? Well, p- potentially. It'd be noise. I just, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be a noise. <laughs> I, I just like... Yeah, all right, this song that. for you, just leave the guitar yeah, there and the guitar walk off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really influenced by Sano. This is... <laughs> It goes, it goes for 24 hours. Happy birthday, baby. You better stay put. <laughs> From the get-go with that line about, like, let's not forget what last night when we walked along the Yarra, it's this cultural cringe from the fucking get-go. Because, <laughs> like, I, I get that it's authentic. I'm sure he actually did walk along the Yarra and, like, have a lovely evening with his girlfriend, kind of thing like that. But I think it's the kind of thing that should have been kept as just a song to The her. birthday present, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, a, an inoffensive kind of, like... Oh baby, I know these are I know these are heaps of crap lyrics, but it doesn't matter because I really love you kind of thing like that. In the same way that like when you see a couple who are in love and they do something together, like have these pet nicknames for one another, which are mm-hmm. incredibly cringeworthy, and you just kind of like like ah, oh, but you know it's sweet because they're in love, whatever. And you, but you don't want to be a part of that. That's what I feel from this song. I feel a lot of not just the the, the awkwardness of the love and the cheesy lyrics, but the immediate like culturally. Like the, the that achingly so Australiana, it says that that pop folk rock a la Mumford and Sons, which I've mm-hmm. never been a fan of, and I just think it's the kind of sound that I know people at pubs would have been cranking on jukeboxes and singing along to, and I would have yeah. ruined my fucking night. <laughs> that oh, kind man, of sound. What a night like, that you would You have be. a similar thing for this song that I do to Sweat, I guess. Yeah, right. You just can't, you yeah. can't separate it from the kind I don't, of thing yeah, it. yeah, exactly. I don't. It's, it's, it's you not, guys are spending too much time at the clubs. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's not yeah. an intrinsically horrible song. I just think it's just just a wishy washy, like a meandering kind of piece of crap. That just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. he should have he should have just sang it to his girlfriend once, and then she would have been like, "Thanks, lucky well, we didn't record." That. I would prefer to have an actual gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just rough. <laughs> All right, Adam. Uh, no, no, go to Nathan first. He's dying to oh, get really? fine. I, no, no, no. Let's let's keep no, the uh, train. No, no, no. Let's save the best for last. If you reckon he's pumped. Let's let's kick it to you so you can be his warm up. <laughs> I don't like. I didn't cringe that hard with it. I don't know. Okay. Like I, some of the some of the statements in there are pretty. Like, I like the sentiment of it. Like, yeah, it's, it's I didn't sweet. I didn't know that it was written for his girlfriend. You know, I thought maybe it could have also been written for a close friend or someone like that. You yeah. know, like maybe they just had we just had a really great. Well, she obviously just, liked just, just for Helen's world over. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, she obviously liked the song enough because she married him. Yeah, Unless she thought that she could fix him or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's genuinely catchy in places that it needs to be. I don't yeah. think I don't think it's a poorly constructed song. I don't know about the the Australian kind of Australiana vibe. It's a dude with a guitar that sings in an Australian accent. Yeah. Why shouldn't he if he's got an Australian accent? Like you yeah. know, if and it you know mentioning the Yarra, I, I buy it. Like I buy that that it doesn't really create too much of a problem for me. The thing about it is, I feel like there's a lot of songs now that kind of do a similar thing. Like yeah. you've got you've got a lot of bands that are quite proudly Australiana. And go in for references such as this and go in for this kind of sound now, just the really bare bones, 
uh, you will Wagner's and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't want to compare the two directly, but I feel like the impulse is coming from a bit of a similar position. So I don't know. Yeah, sure, great. Yeah, and people like it, and it's all right. Sure. Well, I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> well, Nathan, tell us tell us about your relationship with Happy Birthday, Helen. I, I think this is the first time I've heard this song. It doesn't like. I'm not really aware of this song. Yeah. Good. Is my reaction to that. I don't like it. I, I musically, I think it feels shallow. It never like it never hits a point where I feel any emotional investment. What about in the Warhose, man? No, the, the Warhose. They just they just fall flat. Everything falls flat for me. And all the like the Yarra stuff, like it sticks out as a sore thumb. And I I don't like that. I love the Whitlams. I love Paul Kelly. I really like it when songwriters can talk about Australia in a way that feels good and natural as part of the song. Because I think that's important. Yeah. Through music, I feel we have a much stronger connection to American geography than Australian geography. And I really like it when we have our own songwriters that can try and fight against that. Tim Friedman and Paul Kelly are really, really good at talking about their own cities. Gareth Lydiard. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, the perfect example. When he says, walk along the banks of the Yarra, it feels contrived. It doesn't feel like it's involving me or anything. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. You don't feel involved in the song? Kind no. Of, mm-hmm. Not at all. Makes sense. Are you telling me that you're not married to the guy from Things of Stone and Look? <laughs> I went going into the song, I was hoping that I would be, but then as it turns out, I'm not, and, and I'm happy with it. No, I just Looks like, like the honeymoon's over. But, but, but that's like, you know, Paul Kelly can write a song that is about him catching a bus, but I still feel a connection when he says, from St Kilda to, to King's Cross. Yeah. Like, I don't need, I'm not on that bus, and that's fine, but when in this song, when he says, walking down the banks of the Yarra, I, I just don't feel I'm not it. at the Yarra. Yeah, I'm yeah. not at the Yarra. It's I, like, not that. It's I'm, not, I'm not singing harmonies, and I feel like weirdly voyeuristic, or like there's something. Uh, like I, I'm not okay. interested in this relationship because it doesn't speak to me outside of what. You yeah, it only speaks to them. That's yeah. kind of the thing. You know, I like, know like, like, I, like when like he says you f- he, it wasn't supposed to come out, it wasn't supposed to be a single. I don't know, but, but, but like, they, you know, the rest of the band liked it so much. I was just like, yeah, let's do it. But he says, he says you're the fire in my ribs, and it's like, I, I get that. Nice, I like, get that feel. I, I've known people who have been the fire in my ribs. And I well, can to be of... fair, that could be indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love song to my lantern. I'm, pro- I'm probably being like going overboard a bit. I don't like detest the song. It just it really falls flat for me and and then the geography thing is a pet peeve, I guess, because I really like it when it works. I think I, I find that important in songwriting and so when this didn't I was just like, no. Do you think like any attempt is a is a valid attempt though, or do you think it's kinda of damaging? That's not damaging. Well, you, talk, you, talk about, you talk about like how it's important to, to yeah, have for Australians to have their own geography in songs. It's like does that mean that any attempt is a good attempt. I think people should be attempting, but I'm not going to pay an attempt just because mm-hmm. like it's an attempt. Like that's okay. Yeah, no, sure. This, like this didn't work, and you know whatever. But like, it, <laughs> it, it feels like it wasn't written for for other people to listen to. No, to me, like I I don't feel like I'm meant to be listening to this song, and and, and not in a sense. It's like oh man, this is like this yeah. is a wonderfully private thing that I'm observing that is really beautiful. It just it's like, like for well, example, the sorry Cure, guys, I the Cure's to, love song, yeah, yeah, which was a wedding yeah. present, yeah, yeah, like perfect example. But like, I you know, I feel like I've walked into the wrong room and into like, <laughs> a special moment. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. But also, <laughs> this isn't very good. Also, you're sorry as well. So. <laughs> yeah. This is things of stone and wood, number ninety one, and the hottest one hundred of ninety three. With happy birthday, Helen. Let's not forget last night Yeah, how we drove along the Yarra 
How we sang harmonies to Carol King These three years now just gone They are the legends of my mind We both kneel at these rocks to drink out the memory You are the tunes in my head, the fire in my ribs You are the voice in my heart that whispers compassion Happy birthday, Helen Board at number 91 with Happy Birthday, Helen. That brings us to the end of another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, before we go, we are going to uh, nominate our most favourite and our least favourite songs that we've talked about today. Uh, this has been a very easy one for me. Uh, my favourite is Man on the Moon, and my least favourite has to go to Sweat. Andrew. Um, yeah, I think Man on the Moon just edges out Depeche Mode for me in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I, th- I think I do prefer Depeche, but there's just no touching that Man on the Moon song. Yeah, uh, least favorite. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say Sweat as well. As much as I would be, um, as much as I would love to say Happy Birthday Helen, I'm gonna have to say Sweat. Okay, Nathan, I'm gonna say Happy Birthday Helen as my least favorite. Yeah, um, and probably Man on the Moon. Like I, between Cruel Sea and Depeche Mode and Aria, like. What a, like so three yeah. incredibly strong yeah, songs. Yeah, it's a wicked, no, wicked group. Is, yeah, this is a great three or five. But Men on the Moon and Happy Birthday, Helen. Adam, I'm going to go Men on the Moon for my favorite as well. Yeah, and yeah, I'm burn sweat. <laughs> <laughs> burn it all. Well, that is it for another week. Thanks so much for listening. This is hottest one hundreds of thousands. Keep music evil. Goodbye. Hottest 100s and 1000s is filmed in front of a live studio audience.